When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Tuesday on The Horn, yes it is, uh, as we said on the way to the timeout, we wrap up our first hour of our five-hour conversation, World Radio Day. The first commercial radio broadcast, Rod, was 100 years ago, 1920. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big time. And, you know, uh, how about this, Rod? The Model T came out the car in 1908, but cars did not get radios until 1930. 1930. So what are they doing, just talking in the car, just having conversations, yeah, you pointing just, out you stuff just, on the just just chat, inside yeah. the road, little chat. chat, yeah. Okay, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Uh, do you yeah. know that the call letters for stations in the U.S. have to start with a K or a W? We happen to be a K. It's a military thing from the 1910s. In general, stations west of the Mississippi start with a K. Most stations in Canada start with a C. But now, does it still have to? That, that still have to be the case, even though it, it's no longer applicable. If it's if it's a radio signal, yes. Yeah. On a tower, or a translator, yes. You still have to have a K or a W. You have to have call letters. Okay. Well, yeah, you have call letters, but why does it have to start with a K and a W? Why, if it's not that's not applicable anymore, why do you still have to start it with a K and a W? Is my point. Not sure. That's what I'm saying. Answer, like, yeah. that okay, well, if it's not applicable, well, why do we still do it? It's like daylight savings. Like, if it's, is it applicable? Then let's do it. But if it's not, then why the hell are we still doing it? Just for the sake of doing it? Uh, we're so weird. It says here, <laughs> though, around a third of, I didn't know this, right, on National or Happy Radio Day, World Radio Day, a, around a third of dog owners have used the radio to keep their dog company when they're gone. Do you, do, do you leave stump on for your dog uh, when you're gone? I do leave the TV on. I don't leave the – no, radio. I mean, what year is it? <laughs> I mean, no, I leave the TV on for the dogs, though. Yeah, leave something on for them, something in the background. Okay. The dogs carry any much, but they have that. Some people probably just leave music on. That makes sense. That Get makes that. sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So the dog's not freaking out. I don't know why we worry about whether our dogs are lonely or not. We're so strange. Because <laughs> there are dogs. They're just sleeping. They're just <laughs> napping most of the time. Yep. You know that's, what I mean? that's what dogs, it's a good life. It's a that's good life. Exactly right. I would love to nap right now. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Vegas and back and yeah. flew in yesterday. Still hadn't taken a nap. To, you still haven't taken a nap. No. Did, did you get a night's sleep at least? I got a good night's sleep. Got a quality night's sleep, but yeah, no no napping. Got a chance to rewatch. Uh, I, I didn't rewatch the entire game. I rewatched most of the game. I'm going to go finish rewatching it today. What were your uh, – and we'll get to the headlines here. We'll get to this uh, C.D. Lamb conversation with Micah Parsons from Radio Row uh, at the Super Bowl last week about the Cowboys. Also, Rod's got a rant coming up. But uh, what were your initial thoughts on rewatch? Did you notice anything or see anything that you didn't notice or see while you were in the game, at the game? Uh, no, not, not anything like I didn't see at all. Uh, just something I wanted to get back, get more clarity on, and stuff I wanted to clarify. Uh, but, you know, I just thought – and I said this earlier, I said this yesterday, the 49ers – I thought they outplayed, outcoached the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in that first half. I thought it was clear. Um, that was even more clear going back and watching it. But, man, the the Chiefs made just enough plays to stay in the game in the first half. 
And there is no doubt that Dre Greenlaw injury, guys. I told you guys when I first got it, I was like, man, that Dre Greenlaw injury was big. It was it was huge at the time because I could tell the reaction of the sideline for the 49ers. It was you you could tell like it was a little little panic. It was a little panic when he went down. Like what the? Are you serious? Uh, and he and Warren were doing a great job patrolling the middle of that field, and they are the key to that central nervous system of the of the defense for the 49ers. And when Drake Greenlaw went down, guys, go back and watch it. The Kansas City, and this is football one-on-one, so it happens at the high school level anyway. This is not some, you know, great football decision overall showing their, how cerebral the Kansas City Chiefs are. No, when your starter goes down, you go after the backup to see if the backup is adequate. And the backup for the uh, for, for Drake Greenlaw was, was not up to the task. It's, it's not his fault, but they went after him. And that was the first crack really in the in the defensive armor of the 49ers when Drake Greenlaw went down. It's not necessarily all their fault, but you could tell that's when the Kansas City Chiefs went after him. And that's what led to that, that drive right before the half. You're right. Because he went down, like, I want to say it was, it was like uh, two Late, late in the second series. quarter, right? Yeah, it was like a series before that or two series before that. And the 49ers, just, they, they were not ready for it. And they, they were panicking. And that guy, what's his name, Oren Burks, he, he, had allowed, he allowed nine targets in coverage. Nine catches on those nine targets, one touchdown. He allowed a 134.7 passer rating whenever they targeted Dre Greenlaw's backup. He had a 32 coverage grade from Pro Football Focus in that game. That's where it started. That's where the unraveling kind of started for the 49ers. Well, then they, you know, when you have Dre Greenlaw, and he was playing a great game, by the he way, was up, until, killing up until his injury. Oh, man. Him so and Fred went, Warner had good games. You went from an all-pro down to a guy that couldn't cover, couldn't cover anybody and they attacked it and then you got to give him help which takes you know exactly it just, it unravels. <laughs> you, you said yeah. it and that's when Patrick Mahomes got going that's when Travis Kelsey got going uh after the one catch first half and yeah I mean that's uh that's that's bad fortune you know for for mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan without a doubt the, the the punt situation that hit the guy's foot that's bad fortune I mean it's just but in the end the Chiefs still executed better in critical moments than the Niners did Niners Despite the, the 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 injury, despite the punt, the muff, they still had their chances they to had win that football so game. So many chances. Remember after the pick, after that pick in the in the third. Yep. Oh, they put no points on the board. You got to score. You got to put something on the, the first, board. That's there, the man. first interception in the playoffs for Patrick oh, Mahomes. Exactly. You got to make him pay for it. You got to make him think about it. And they didn't. Basically, that was a that was a moot point. The interception didn't really even matter. Yeah. In the it end, took some time off the clock. Essentially, pretty much. Yeah, and you know what? I, I saw an interesting uh, uh, little stat. You know who, who people are now comparing Kyle Shanahan to? Andy Reid. Andy Reid when yeah. he was in Philadelphia. I told you guys. I, I said that last week. Yeah. I said that last week. I was saying if he doesn't get the Super Bowl, he'll start his career kind of like Andy Reid started his career. And Patrick Mahomes has changed the entire fortune of not only the Kansas City organization, but of Andy Reid. Andy Reid was known as a coach who couldn't win the big one and couldn't win in clutch time. And he's honestly, without Patrick Mahomes, he still would be that coach. I'm sorry. I love Andy Reid. He still would be that coach. That's how good Patrick Mahomes is. But, yeah, that's Kyle Shanahan dealing with that right now. He's got to go find his Patrick Mahomes. He does. I mean, and from, from 01 to 04, Andy Reid had a loss in the NFC Championship game three times and a Super Bowl loss. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan, the last four years, has two Super Bowl losses and two NFC Championship yep. game losses. Yep. Uh, very similar to Andy Reid. Uh, great offensive mind. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, Donovan McNabb just wasn't the guy, right, in Philadelphia when Andy Reid was there. And, of course, it, it ended up having to end. Or Alex in Philadelphia. Smith. Or Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, later on, yeah, it's uh, it, but but the, the four year runs very yeah. similar, no, very right. similar, That's where you're point. this close, 
And, uh, you know, and, and Andy Reid's proven to be a Hall. I mean, now he's, he's in the conversation with the GOATs, which is why, you know, Kyle Shanahan's got a lot of coaching ahead of him, and he'll get through this. But um, disappointing, obviously, for him on, on, Saturday, on Sunday. Let's get to the other headlines, the top stories coming out of uh, this Tuesday morning. Top Gun Reynolds and Lockwood bring you the top news, and it starts with the NFL, and it's official now in Dallas. Uh, Cowboys have finalized the deal to bring back their former defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer, to replace Dan Quinn, 67-year-old most recently, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings for eight seasons. He rejoins the Cowboys uh, 18 years after he served in the same role before headed out to Cincinnati and then Minnesota. Super Bowl 58, officially the most watched program in television history. Numbers are in, 123.4 million viewers across all platforms. Tuned in on Sunday to see the Chiefs top the 49ers in that overtime thriller. Number exceeded last year's Super Bowl, which had previously held the record by nearly 10 million. Overall, 202 million viewers watched at least part of that broadcast. Chiefs victory parade through the streets of downtown KC is set for tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. College basketball, Texas forward Dylan DeSue named the Big 12 Basketball Player of the Week yesterday. Day. First time a Longhorn has received that honor this season. The Longhorns are off this week, headed to Houston to face the Cougars of uh, the fifth-ranked Cougars on Saturday. That'll be a noon tip. Surging Texas women, meanwhile, have moved into the top five of the latest AP Top 25 on the women's side. Head coach Vic Schaefer's Horns have won four straight. They've moved into uh, number five now. They'll face Houston on the road tomorrow before welcoming Iowa State to the Moody Center on Saturday. On the court last night, how about the blowout in Lubbock as uh, Texas Tech guard Darian Williams poured in 30 points to lead the Red Raiders past sixth-ranked Kansas, 79-50. to The sophomore guard didn't miss a shot in 38 minutes, 12 for 12 from the floor, had hit four threes and made a couple of free throws, hauled in 12 rebounds for good measure. Busy night in the NBA, the Texas trio all in action, all posted victories, included in Toronto where Victor Wenbanyama had himself a night. Rookie Phenom scored 27, grabbed 14 boards, blocked a career high 10 shots, to post his second career triple-double, Spurs beat the Raptors 122-99. Mavericks beat Washington 112-104. Luka Doncic, his 10th triple-double this season. Down in Houston, the Rockets nipped the Knicks 105-103. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, um, we'll get to... Um some sound apparently it's still the, the the big topic for the 49ers or at least surrounding the 49ers is whether they actually the coach Shano whether he knew about the new overtime rules because a lot several players now have gone on the record to say they did not know about the new overtime rules in the playoffs this season and you know if he did know it he should have communicated that to the players. Sure. So the, the, a lot of the belief is now that he didn't because if he'd known, why didn't the players knew? So it, it, there's there's two. I think they're gonna he's gonna be at, he's gonna be in wrong twice here, depending on if if we get clarity on this or not. If he indeed didn't know, then obviously that's that's play caller malpractice, right? This head coaching, uh, you that's your responsibility as a head coach to know the rules and to you know to have that inform your decision making. And if he did know the rules, okay, then why didn't your players know the rules? So if you did know, then why are your players saying, yeah, we thought it was the actually the old overtime rules? So he's, I don't know exactly when there's going to be clarity because I don't know if he'll actually talk to the media again this offseason. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, and I wouldn't. I, I think he'll be probably advised not to even speak to the media. Um, so there is – I sent some of the audio. There is one audio clip that 49ers fans are claiming is the, the smoking gun that he admits that he didn't know the overtime rules. I don't know if that's the case. I think people may be reading into it, but we shall see. We'll, we'll get into that in Raj around the day a little bit and talk more about it. But that right now is the most damaging narrative 
hurting the 49ers and hurting my boy Shano's. Did he know the overtime rules? And if he did know the overtime rules, why not communicate that I, to the team? I don't think Tony Romo knew the, the overtime rules based off his, I'm not surprised his by commentary that. at the end. He, he, <laughs> when they were talking about how, uh, you know, Brock Purdy was pressured and they missed Jennings on that little, you know, out route there on yeah. the goal line. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, he could have won the Super Bowl right there. Like, got pressure. You know, it, it really it sounded like he didn't even realize that if they scored, the Chiefs were going to still get the ball back. Chiefs still get the ball. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, well. then <laughs> yeah, he might not. Roman might not have known, actually. It just changed two years ago, obviously. Yeah. It came after that Bills-Chiefs game, and it's only for the postseason, and it's the first time it's come into play here since that rule was changed in, in the second all-time overtime Super Bowl. One other note, Rod, then I want to play. Ty, can you have the, uh, the C.D. Lamb audio I sent you talking to Micah Parsons before we go to Rod's rant? But it is interesting because you talk about the uh, – you know, the comparison with Andy Reid and, and Kyle Shanahan early in their coaching careers. You know, you wonder about Brock Purdy because I did see where after the game Steve Spagnuolo gave a lot of praise to Brock Purdy, the defensive coordinator for the, for the uh, Chiefs. He said, man, he was shredding our game plan. He was shredding our zone coverages. We had to change what we were doing because he was playing so well early in the game. Um, and he, according to uh, uh, this, the Chiefs staffers compared Purdy to a young Drew Brees after the game, the way he was tearing apart their defense. Um, but, he, you know, again, it goes back to the third downs. Three for 12 on third down. Turns yeah. out to be the Waterloo for the Niners offense. They couldn't execute in the big moment. That's why they kicked field goals, mm-hmm. not scored touchdowns. But I wonder, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any reason why the Niners are going to move off of Brock Purdy. He is their quarterback. No, no. Moving no, forward. No. Yeah, he's the guy. He is the guy, but to yeah. be compared to Drew Brees, that's pretty good. Uh, it is really James good. James giving him high praise for what uh, he was able to do well, in that see, football game. I will say, okay, uh, he's giving him high praise, but the game plan reflects something different, and I was getting to in Rod's rant. Good stuff. He's saying that, but his game plan reflected uh, – his game plan was a game plan that I don't think he would have had against Drew Brees. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, I don't think he would have put that game plan together against Drew Brees. Can we hear this real quick for Cowboys fans because uh, Cowboys fans are looking for – Reasons for optimism. The, the, they are close. Mm-hmm. They're, about, they're, they're one of these teams trying to chase the Chiefs right now. This was a, a conversation between CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was doing his podcast, and this is the two Cowboys stars talking about uh, what, what, what went wrong and what the future needs. So what do we do? Like, I think the people really want to hear, what do we, me and you, have to do to help? Like, if we talk about we want to be the highest pick guys, we want to be the future of this team, Absolutely. we want to be the face of this franchise, I feel like I know what I have to do. What do you feel like you have to do coming into this offseason, understanding the contract situation and how things need to be dealt with? Um, and we already hit that, but what do you feel like you need to do to uplift the receivers around you? Or like, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what do you feel like you have to do to help lead this corpse, uh, you and Dak, to, to take us to the promised land? First and foremost, I do got to grow up. Uh, there's plenty of ways of me handling different situations. Hmm. Me being mad. Is not one of the answers. You know what I'm saying? So and I know this. So times throughout the year you get frustrated, people feeling your energy, frustration, Absolutely. and just carrying it on. I just feel like that's contagious. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Instead but of just be like, I could, I could, I could be more of a leader. You know what I'm saying? I could be more vocal, even though I know that's not me. But understanding the situation, bro. If I'm gonna take this label of being one, I take full accountability, bro. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna take this label of being one. I can't, I can't, it's times where I got to get on my shell. You know what mm. I'm saying? My comfort zone. And you got rally the offense. You feel me? And Dak, I got, find me. Like Dak, come on. Or Dak, mm. I'm not open on this. You got B Cooks on whatever. Or you got MG on this. I could do this and do, you know what I'm saying? There's plenty of ways of doing Feedback. it. Instead of just getting angry yeah, down. And getting quiet and then nobody have answers. And now we look defeated Lost. on the sideline. We- 
Right there you go. CeeDee Lamb, wow. Michael Parsons, the two young Cowboys that was, all pros. That was that was actually really mature for him to say. Because it, it, to what, what's, the, what's the saying, right? To whom uh, much is given, much is expected. Yep. Right? It's like you're going to be the number one wide receiver. Yeah, then the, your body language, the way you conduct yourself, your attitude, it all matters. And, and are we saying you're not, you know, right. that – that you did not have the right to have a bad attitude or that you shouldn't have been angry about a bad throw or I shouldn't have been angry that you weren't targeted enough. No, no, you can be frustrated and angry about that, of course. You're human. You're entitled to your emotion, but you have to understand how your uh, body language, how your reaction to that is going to affect your teammates because you're wide receiver one. You're the man. Everybody's watching you. And a lot of those young guys, they're going to uh, base their future reactions on your reaction in that same situation. So, oh, I, man, that was that, that was really mature on C.D. Lamb's part. I love that. I would also say That's to big. those guys talking about that, you know, attitude reflects leadership too. Uh, and Amen. I think uh, Mike McCarthy. And then, you know, this is why I think a lot of Cowboys fans are excited about Mike Zimmer, who's going to bring bring more of a boot in the rear kind of mindset mm-hmm. to the defense. Well, you know, not that Dan Quinn's a bad defense coordinator, but he no. was more of a get-along guy. Uh, Mike Zimmer doesn't put up with much. He's got Bill Parcells' disciple. Yep. And uh, has a different way of operating. Cowboys certainly could use it the way their defense played. That's a nice club. In big like games. That. Yeah, that was good stuff with CD and Micah Parsons. Let's get Rod's first rant of a Tuesday. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the let's talk about the defensive game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo a little bit because it was now looking back on it, it was a brilliant defensive game plan, and uh, I'm glad you you brought up the fact that Spags gave a lot of respect to Brock Purdy, calling him a, a young Drew Brees. Uh, my contention is that if he was going up against a young Drew Brees, he would not have this game plan <laughs> that he had against Brock Purdy. The reason that the game plan was so effective because it was simplistically brilliant. And I do believe the Cleveland Browns actually are a team that the 49ers have to really, I say thank, but really they're the reason that that game plan for Steve Spagnuolo was so effective. He stole a lot of it from that Browns game plan against the 49ers. Um, and, and if you go look at the zero blitz rates, if you go look at the man coverage rates um, and just the overall blitz rate of the Kansas City Chiefs versus the 49ers, there is, the numbers are very similar, and they, they reflect that week six matchup that the 49ers had with the Cleveland Browns. If you go look at cover zero rate, cover zero means you've got no help, guys. Zero means no help. It is the, it is the biggest gamble you probably can take on defense. Essentially, you're blitzing everybody who ain't in coverage. And everybody who's in coverage, they in man-to-man coverage without any help at all. Usually that means they got trips and falls. It's going to be a touchdown. That means you take the wrong angle to the football, big play. It is, it's the ultimate gamble. Do you know how often the Kansas City Chiefs took that ultimate gamble? 21% of the time. It was the highest cover zero rate against the 49ers. All season long. Nobody played more cover zero <laughs> against the Void Adders than the Kansas City Chiefs did. 21%. The uh, next closest, 
Cleveland. Actually, the back next closest was actually New York. They had a cover zero rate when they played them in week three of seventeen point nine percent, which is like I said, that anytime you're at double digits cover zero rate, man, you're a, you are a gambling fool. Like you are you you are walking that line <laughs> between disaster right? uh, and, and 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 effectiveness, pretty much. I mean, that is a thin line to walk. And the the Forty ers the reason I said that he that Spagnols would not have that game plan against Drew Brees, Drew Brees is way too accurate. Way too accurate with the football. Not only will he get rid of the football on time, but he gets rid of the football and the ball placement is usually meticulous. It is perfect. And Brock Purdy ain't there yet. And maybe he reminds him of a young Drew Brees, but he wouldn't have had cover zero. He wouldn't have been running cover zero at a 21% clip against a Drew Brees. He did it against Brock Purdy because he knew that takes that, that he knew that would take away all the easy completions. Just take away everything easy for this young man. Why, why are we making his life easy? Let's take away everything easy. All the easy slants, the easy outcuts, just those easy, soft, quick passes, the hot reads. We won't take all that away. We're going to make him have to process, and when he processes, we're also going to make him have to deliver the football under duress, all right, in a muddy pocket, and he's going to put the ball on the money. Great ball placement, which Brock Perry did, did not do consistently. He missed receivers that were open. I mean, I went back and watched it. Brandon Ayuk had a, a touchdown that was missed. Debo Samuel had a touchdown that was missed. Not all Brock Purdy's folks. Brock Purdy just didn't have the time. But he made Brock Purdy work from a muddled pocket. He made him work under duress. And like I said, he knew they were in zero coverage. It's not just being able to uh, decipher the coverage, but you also got to be able to deliver the football on the money. And you don't necessarily have that kind of time when they're blitzing a lot of guys, and you got to block Chris Jones, who is one of the most disruptive defenders in the game. So this is a cover one rate. All right, so they, this is when they were man coverage. Zero coverage is man coverage, but man coverage with no help. At least cover one, you got to help in the middle of the field usually. They played cover one at the highest rate that the 49ers had seen all season long. Oh, take that back, second highest rate. The highest rate was Week six against the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> it was the second highest rate of man coverage against the 49ers all season long. So nobody was more confident than playing sticky coverage against Debo, against Christian McCaffrey, against Brandon Ayuk, and against Kittle. Nobody was more confident than Spags in this defense. And like I said, I think they took a lot of that from that Cleveland Browns recipe. So between cover zero and cover one, you were playing cover zero or cover one at a 61% clip. The talk, I, mean, I always tell you in big games you got to break tendency. The Kansas City Chiefs usually play more zone than they play man. They'll blitz a lot, but they'll play some zone behind it. This time, breaking tendency, they played more man than they played zone. Since like the 49ers were expecting zone, they were expecting some, some easier completions behind those blitz packages, those exotic pressures, that never came because they played sticky coverage behind those blitz packages and those exotic pressures. So 61% of the time, actually over 61% of the time, you were playing man coverage in that game. That was a tendency breaker for them. And if you go look at um, uh, like the, just the, the man coverage that they were playing, they were close to these guys. I don't think – Cleveland played a lot of man coverage, but they didn't play it as well as Kansas City. You can make the argument that Kansas City locks up as well as any secondary in the league. Um, and that was why Spagnuolo's game plan was brilliant, guys. He broke tendency when he needed to, played man coverage and zero coverage. A lot of teams, a lot of defensive coordinators are way too conservative to play that much zero coverage. Like I said, you're walking the tight rope. 
between uh, disaster and between execution when you play cover zero like that. And for the, for, for the 49ers, unfortunately, it never led to a disastrous play for the Kansas City defense. It was always executed in a meticulous fashion. And you got to give Steve Spagnuolo credit for that, guys. That was, a, that was a brilliant game plan in so many ways, but mostly because they broke tendency and they forced Brock Purdy to have to beat him. And Brock couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was Legereus Sneed that said the game plan, we just wanted to make Brock throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't going to get beat by Christian McCaffrey. No. Yeah. Uh, and they if Brock did. Party was going to beat us, then then that would be that. But he was going to have to do it, and um, you know made throws, but three for twelve on third down and uh, critical misses on the money um, downs. On the money downs were were key in the game. It led to field goals, not touchdowns. That's why a team that averaged over twenty nine points a game in the regular season scored nineteen points or yeah. twenty two points in the Super Bowl. Uh, held them under their average by, by a significant margin. That included an overtime session with just 22 points. Uh, all right, good stuff right there, Rod Babers. And, yeah, I, th- I do think – I remember watching that Cleveland game with San Francisco, and it looked similar, and Brock Purdy, you know, struggled in that game in a big way. Yeah, he did. Now, that game was without Debo Samuel. Uh, he didn't play in that Browns game. And I think Trent Williams is out in the Browns matchup in week six. I don't think he played in that game. So, it really, it was a jailhouse against him because without because that offensive line for San Francisco is not great outside of Trent Williams, especially on the right no. side. They really struggle on the right side. Uh, McKivitz, that's his name? Yeah. Yeah, he struggled. And Feliciano. He missed a couple of – oh, man, he missed he missed a block that it would have led to a touchdown. Um, Chris Jones got right in there and got in his face. I want to say it was to Brandon Ayuk, uh, but it, it, that could have been a touchdown too. It was always just a game of inches. That's the game. And One guy missed a block here, you know, a bad throw, throws a little off here. Uh, it made all the difference in the world. And that's why, you know, your friend Kyle Shanahan won't be sleeping much here because you, you, you're, you're sure he's going to be thinking about those plays and the punt and Dre Greenlaw's injury and all these plays that were there to be mm-hmm. made that didn't get made. And Debo did end, play in that game. He did? Yep, Debo played in that. Matter of fact, that Browns game in week six, uh, Debo, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle combined for 88 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, it was the second fewest yards they've combined for scrimmage in the 48 games where they've played together. IU, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel. So they played together. It was just a great game plan. And that, trust me, guys, this will be the game plan going forward when you play 49 Now, everybody can't do it, but you want to play zero coverage, you want to play man coverage, because the 49 receivers don't necessarily – Brandon Ayuk's the man beater. Debo's not great at beating man coverage, guys. He's not that kind of receiver. He's the kind of receiver you get him the ball and space scheme him open, and that's when you get the best out of Debo. Is when you can scheme him open. But Debo, in terms of just beating man and co- man coverage, that's not what he does well. And that's what Spags forced him to do, just beat man coverage. And then Kittle wasn't even really a part of the, the offense, honestly. All right. Uh, we'll come back. When we do, we'll uh, talk more about uh, World Radio Day. Also more on Rod's rant, more on the Cowboys, and uh, who can catch these Chiefs. We're getting ready for another victory parade tomorrow in Kansas City. Also, for the end of the hour, we'll hit some bullish or BS. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I have a uh, very pressing question to ask you here in a minute, Rod. But uh, yes, sir? I did look it up. That game when they played the Browns, the Niners played Cleveland. I knew there were some injuries. I watched that game. Uh, in the game that the Browns won 1917, and you, you uh, um, opined that they barred a lot of that game plan for Jim Schwartz. Yeah. In that game, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel both missed the entire second half after injuries. Okay, they both went out. Um, I remember watching and thinking, man, they're very shorthanded. And so, yeah, they, they started the game, McCaffrey and, and uh, Debo, but they both neither of them played in the second half. 
and they had lost 1917, and that was like the first. That, that remember that had been the dominant Niners. They were five and zero, and they'd blown everybody out, including the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And they went in there and lost that game. Yeah, we know how good that Cleveland defense was yet either. That was, yeah, that, that was, was the top number one three defense. defense. Yeah, that was, a, that was a legit. Defense. And Schwartz has always had a good track record versus Shanahan. It, it didn't even go back. I'm sure they've documented by now. He he coaches against Shanahan really well. So I think Spag knows he knows that Spag was like, all right, I'm taking that Schwartz game plan. He knows Shano. He knows him. Yeah, and uh, it was a good game plan for sure. And that was the beginning of a three-game losing streak for the 49ers. They mm-hmm. lost three in a row. Uh, and that, that there were injuries. Debo was hurt. And, and oh, yeah, McCaffrey they never had Trent Williams had a little Yeah, then they, they righted it and, you know, obviously made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I have a question, Rod. Um, this is such a weird thing. You know, our, my, I get up in the morning, come in here, we get set up at the South Austin Onion Creek Compound. Yes, sir. Why is the Good Morning America time clock different than every other time clock? Uh, is it the right time? No. No. It says 7.33. It my, is 7.31. Yeah, mine says 7.31 too. But every morning, Good Morning America with Michael Strahan and the crew is two minutes faster. Even if you go to like to, to, to today's show, it's two minutes ahead. What's going on with Good Morning America? I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, why would they do that? Is it – I don't know. Are they try, do they go to breaks differently than everybody else too? Cause why are they trying to lie to me? Because I keep looking – you know, I try to keep the clock right. It says 734 on it's 730, ABC. 731 It's 731. It's fast and faster. It's fast and it's getting faster. I need, a, I need an that answer. That is weird. I need an answer from Good Morning America. Yeah, they act like – that's a great point. I don't watch it, so I didn't even realize that. It's, <laughs> know, three, min- it's three minute talk. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a big number. I'm trying to get ready in the morning. Come on, man. Yeah, three minutes is a lot, man. All right, so somebody can try to explain that to me. Does it like does the Good Morning America have a different clock? They just want to be different than everybody else. You, but it, it's about accuracy. Give me the right number. Give me the right time. I do that in my house, though. I set every clock ahead. Do you? Um, every clock in my house is probably ten to fifteen minutes fast. I hate having the clock because I'm always late and running behind on every damn thing I do. So I just put it, I just put the clocks up ten to fifteen. That's hilarious. Minutes. Every clock every clock in the house in our house is ten to fifteen minutes faster. Yeah. That's funny. No, I'm I, I'm big on the clock because that's just kind of my. my I was a paper route when I was a kid. Yeah, had yeah, the yeah. papers on the ground by yeah. a certain time. No, you're right. I'm just uh, always on the clock. And yeah, so come on, Good Morning America, step it up. Uh, it's not 7:35. It's 7:32. It's three. every clock I have. My phone, my watch, my computer, all say 7:32. Yet this guy, this Good Morning America, is trying to tell me it's 7:35 already. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't understand that at all. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I would love to know the motivation. I'm sure they got a reason for it. There has to be. That's what. Yeah. I, that's why I'm asking. Like, and it's got to be something about competition with the other shows and stuff. I guarantee it's something like that. Is it a gimmick? I don't know. But maybe it helps them, like, get to the break or, you know, getting, you know, you know how it is when, if you're those shows, I mean, they're trying to get back from the break before the other shows and get to the break before the other shows. Look at the Today Show, 732. Good morning, America, 735. What's going on here? I have no idea. See, that's, that's, that's not right. And there's Patrick Mahomes at Disneyland. Oh, that was last year. Hey, uh, Rod, I think you have. Uh, oh, some- did he go again? Right. Yeah, he's going. He and Brady are going to You know the first one, first uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback to get the uh, I'm going to Disney World was Phil Simms. Is that right? Yeah, it was a deal. It was like a deal they do, and now I think it's grandfathered in. Um, but they, they, uh, he was. I want to say he was the first one. They, they asked like, "Hey, so what are you gonna do?" And he's like, "I'm going to Disneyland. I'm going to Disney World." That used to be the bit. I don't even do that anymore. I think now they just go. Uh, but yeah, I think he was the first one that they were like, "Hey, man, we want to. We got this really cool promotion. Can you just say like after this, you want to go to Disney World, Disneyland?" It's like, "Oh, okay. yeah, cool." It's yeah. like, uh, like Peyton, gonna- Peyton Manning after he won his last one, and he was they're like, "What are you gonna do now?" He's like, "I'm gonna go home and drink a Budweiser." It's like it's not like that <laughs> yeah. was planned at all. 
Exactly. Like I, I, I was, he was the first. Uh, Phil Simms was the first one to, to get the Disneyland Disney World deal, which is That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So apparently we we got to play this audio, guys. It's I have 49ers fans who sent sent me this audio because they know I talk a lot of 49ers, and um, apparently the 49ers fans are looking at this audio as the smoking gun that my man Kyle Shanahan did not know about the new overtime rules. And um, that's the reason that the players were not informed of the new overtime rules. They've gone on the record to admit, several of them, that they did not know the overtime rules had changed and they were not aware of it. Nobody informed them of it. This little clip is about 13 seconds, and I will say it's a pretty damning one. Uh, Apparently, this is the proof that Kyle Shanahan may not have known about the new overtime rules. Understanding it's raw, and again, it went into overtime, but is there anything right now that you feel like was the difference down the stretch? Um, I mean, love to score a touchdown there at the end. I could pat another chance. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That was it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think that's, I mean, it's not direct proof and evidence they didn't know, but he's saying he wouldn't have had another chance to touchdown. That's the old overtime rules, not the new one where both teams will get a chance yeah, to score. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a pretty good smoking gun. I mean, that, that indicates that <sighs> he didn't somehow know. the head coach did not know the rule. He didn't know. Um, it, yeah. Well, that means he if, he knew, if he knew it, he wasn't thinking about it at the time. Well, that means he didn't know the rule in the other playoff games that he played in this year and last year. Yeah, I mean, that, you, that you, it you, didn't you, end up in overtime, but you, you can, still need to know the overtime. You rule. can jump to that. Yeah, I mean, that's a safe conclusion to jump to. If he didn't know it in this game, why, why would, and the players have said uh, several times that they have never, they didn't meet about it. That there was no meetings, there was no practices, no preparation for a new overtime. And yet, Andy Reid's group, uh, multiple players have gone on the record to say that they met every week of the playoffs. <laughs> And, and uh, about the new overtime rules and that they had several meetings even prior to the season about the new overtime rules. So looks well, like they that... were prepared. Yeah, here's the, uh, the quote from Drew Tranquil. He said, we had an overtime rules presentation and strategy meeting every week of the playoffs and twice in our Super Bowl prep. Well, well, and look, that rule was put into place because of the Chiefs Patch Bills game <laughs> yeah. two years ago, right? Yeah. And the idea was, man, in a playoff game, we, we, you know, one quarterback, both quarterbacks should get the ball. Both teams should get a chance, right? Mm-hmm. That was the argument, especially in the biggest games of the year, which the Super Bowl would be. But that is that's a that's a that's an indictable offense right there for for a coach not to know the rule. Um, because look, it, it goes to strategy. Oh, it's everything man. we talked about. I mean, if he had known the rule, he probably would have deferred. Probably would have deferred and gave it to Mahomes. And like you said, then you have a better idea of what you need to do, what you have to do to win the game. Even how you have to call the call the, the, the plays differently, they're, they're, you're going to be more aggressive. Because he just said right there in, in, in an answer to a question, you know, I wish we would have scored a touchdown there and not given Mahomes a chance. Well, Mahomes had a chance regardless. Regardless, he was going to get the ball. Yeah, and that's, even if he scored yeah. a touchdown and went for two, he was getting the ball. Yeah, and that's why. Can we have that Chris Jones sound ready, uh, please? There, Ty. Um, and I think this is why the <laughs> the retort by Chris Jones when he was asked, "Hey, what do you think of the 49ers' strategy to take the ball?" Here's his response. 
for overtime. As a, as a defender, they're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah. Yes. Because the overtime rule has changed where both teams get the ball, no matter who scores. So, you know, uh, originally you want to let you want to let the other team get the ball, stop them holding the three, so you know where you got. Or if you stop them, they play, then all you have to do is kick three. That was Chris Jones, for those who didn't know, saying that basically it was, cra it was a crazy strategy um, for them to take the ball first. Yeah, and now that we have that evidence that maybe he didn't know about the overtime rules, it makes sense as to why he took the ball. It made perfect sense why he took the ball. And I wonder when, this is the thing, if he didn't overtime, when did he figure it out? <laughs> like, what, was it, you know what I mean? Was it after the court? He's like, oh, what, what? Did somebody come tell him, like, hey, coach, come on. Well, like, it would have been a really bad look had they scored a touchdown on that play. Celebrating, ran, ran on, on the field, <laughs> throws up this play sheet. Woo! And it's like, uh, nope. That would have been a want to get away uh, moment at that yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> get that Snickers bar ready. <laughs> oh, no. Well, look, I mean, if you're, uh, I don't know what you do if you're Jed York and you're the owner of the you, team. You, you gotta, don't speak to the media again, and you act, you, wait, you let this just go away, and then you, you regroup next season. And then you decide whether you want to, as an organization, admit that you didn't know or whether you just want to. Well, I know it's a good it. friend of yours, but that goes in the the all-time annals if it is accurate that he didn't know. I mean, that's Chris Weber calling a timeout when they don't have one in the national championship game. That's just – I mean, that, that goes into all-time blunders. All-time. It just yeah. does. I mean, yeah. it's it's a critical, critical component to the game. And uh, and it, it indicates that, you know, however many playoff games they've played the last two years, he went into the game not knowing – yeah, that rule. He could. I mean, I, you could always go and saying that he missed. He could say he misspoke. That's not what I meant. Like, I, sure. I, there are ways to get. You know, I, I like that that little piece of audio. Like I don't know if it's the. It, it seems like a smoking gun, but there are ways to explain that, and he could be like I misspoke or you know something like that. I misremembered at the time because he did talk. I mean, he talks about getting the ball third too in one of those post game interviews. I have to go find that one too. Remember he talks about. He expected them to score. He expected to score, and then expected them to score, and didn't get in the ball third. So, it, like I said, it's it still could be something he was just uncertain about. Uh, but I think the real indictment for me as a player is why weren't the players informed? He can say he knew it all he wants to, and he can say, "Oh, I misspoke. That's not what I meant. You know, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant." And that does happen. I mean, we all know. Trust me. We, we talk for five hours a day. You misspeak a lot. <laughs> now you say things you don't necessarily mean, but why didn't the players know? That to me, that's the indictment that he didn't know. Yeah. Because if he knew the players, if, if if he did know and the players didn't know, like I said, and that is also coaching malpractice. It is. He had to inform the players of that. Well, and meanwhile, the opponent is they're having meetings weekly about what the strategy will be yeah. in overtime when they get there, and uh, you know, knowing this was a you know, even Vegas had it as a two point line. This was a game that was that even. It's gonna come down to well the wire. End up yeah. in overtime. Uh, that is that's a critical conversation to be had, uh, and it's yeah. just going to add to the conversation for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he'll own that. I mean, it's not going to fire the guy. I mean, no. he's, he's the, one of the best young best coaches in football. But at the same time, that is that is uh, that's a problem. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if, he'll if, he'll wear that. Uh, yeah, I, I think right now that is that is the, the the real negative narrative working against them right now is really about whether they were prepared enough, and that is something that's tough to forgive. You know what I mean? You can make mistakes and get beat by Patrick Jones. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the lack of preparation for a coach, I mean, that is your, that's your job. Uh, well, you and then two yeah, weeks to prepare for it's it. It's great coaching the other side. But for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl in the exact same play two years in a row, yeah, 
<laughs> that's right, salt in the wound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right about it. And, and they, uh, everybody admitted that they knew they were going for two to win it all. Yeah. If they did have to match touchdowns with Chano and win the game, they were not going to play. They, played, they were going to play to win the game. <laughs> they were not, their strategy was not to stay in the game, was to win the game. And like I said, I think Shano's strategy was more about coaching to stay in the game with Mahomes rather than to go vanquish that guy and to go win the game. And that's what that, that strategy was about, or lack thereof. It was like, were well, you trying to go win the game? Um, because if you were, then I think you would have deferred. All right. Well, that's an interesting conversation, obviously, um, and, and subplot to the Super Bowl because we had the conversation yesterday under the assumption that he knew the rule and he was playing strategy that way because that's defendable. I mean, you can, you know, we can flip a coin on that. And, yeah. Okay, we're going to go play for third. I still you know, can disagree with it, but at the same time, to not know it, that is coaching malpractice without a doubt uh, in the, the biggest game of his career and biggest game of the, of the season without a doubt. No doubt. Chiefs are getting ready for a, uh, a parade. Uh, the question will be, is Taylor Swift going to be at the parade? I saw where the uh, total screen time of Taylor Swift on Sunday was 54 seconds. 54 seconds of so screen time. They didn't get to a minute. Yeah. Oh, Super Bowl. And for folks who uh, missed it yesterday because Rod didn't arrive until the 8 o'clock hour, uh, you believe that that stadium is the, the nicest facility, one of them that you've been in. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I think in terms of a venue, football venue, I don't know if there's a better stadium in the country. I'm sure there there are a couple that's in the conversation, but that, that stadium was fantastic. And is it intimate? Is that the kind of yeah order? yeah yeah I like that that's a great way to put it it is it, it's small because I think it's I, mean, I think seventy one thousand attendance was like six the, the attendance though was like sixty one thousand oh really when they announced yeah when they oh, put wow. the the picture because I was a little shocked I was like man so there'd be more people here but I think when they they have to make room for you know all the other festivities and stuff so I think that's probably why it didn't reach up to the, what the seventy one thousand you're talking about capacity but that man that stadium I was I think the thing that I was most surprised was I had full bars like the whole time. Like I had full oh, bar. Oh, on your phone? Yeah, like that was so no full no, internet. There was no issues with service or anything. Usually, you go to a big game like they like, oh man, halftime, my phone wasn't working, I couldn't text, I couldn't, you know, do social media. It was full bar. I think that's kind of a new age thing too, where you know you go to stadiums. I want to say that um, when I went to a Forty Nine er game, that they actually had that too. So maybe it's a West Coast thing with all the you know tech and everything like that. But I thought that was pretty cool. You didn't have to worry about service or your signal or anything like that, which you shouldn't have to in a modern, in a modern venue. All right, so everybody should be good. Everybody should be good. Yeah, everybody. It was like a Verizon guys walking around, and they they were just there to make sure your service was was uninterrupted. That's pretty interesting. It really was. They would just make sure you customer service at the football game. I don't because I I can't think of any of the reason they were there. They literally they were sitting. They were they were stationed all around, and they were just trying to. Make, I think they were making sure that everything was just you know copacetic and making sure that there Very were cool. no issues. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, good stuff right there. We'll come back. Uh, speaking of good stuff, uh, bullish or BS topics around the uh, landscape that we're bullish on and call them BS. It's coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. Bullish or BS time on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. A lot of folks weighing in on the conversation on the message line, 447-3776. It says, guys, the referee explained the rule at the coin toss. It was very detailed on what overtime rules said. They, they, if they weren't paying attention, that would be a problem. Yeah, because I didn't see that part because, you know, you're hosting a yeah, party. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, I, mean, I was there for it. They did that. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I I, yeah, I really don't know exactly if that if that was him misspeaking uh, the clip that we played or if it was truly 
you know, evidence that he did not know the overtime rules. And and I'm with, and we just joked about it. But yeah, if he didn't know it, I would love to know exactly at what point he went. Oh, oh, oh! Shoot! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was it? Oh, sugar! Yeah, was it after the the coin toss and after they already came back sideline? He went. Oh, guys, probably should have just deferred there. I didn't think about it. So I don't. I, we don't know. We 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 need clarity on some of those details. Uh, but yeah, they did explain the overtime rules. They 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 had them on the jumbotron on screens and all that kind of stuff too. So it was a thing. Everybody in the stands. So I remember everybody in the stands going to their phones. To look up the new overtime rules. I remember with the group that I was with, I went to the front and I was like, hey, guys, they got new overtime rules. Here, check these out. And we literally discussed it for a good 90 seconds, all of us. Wow. Well, that's a, that, 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 that's a bad look, obviously. He says, guys, if they didn't show the overtime rules on the TV broadcast, I wouldn't have known the new rules either. And I watch the NFL every week. When San Francisco won the toss, yeah. I thought for sure you take the ball, but I didn't know the rule. Yeah. Uh, all right, fair point. You ain't paid, though. You ain't paid to know the rules. Yeah, the other <laughs> guys are. Hey, um, paid to know the rules. Bullish or BS, Rod Babers and Ty Henderson with uh, the win and another Super Bowl MVP. The list of all-time great quarterbacks is now Tom Brady 1, Patrick Mahomes 2. Bullish or BS? All time. All time. No, not shit. Uh, you're right. You probably could argue it right now. Not past Montana. Yeah, I'm gonna say still. Let's give some of the old heads a little bit more. Let's give them a little bit more. They're they're just doing their flowers. He hadn't passed them yet, but give him one more postseason, guys. <laughs> one more. One more postseason, and yes, he will be considered the second greatest quarterback of all time in terms of postseason achievement. He's only 28. He's, he does. He's one. He's one win behind Joe Montana. Um, for the second most all-time playoff wins. Sure. He's not going to catch Brady anytime soon because Brady's got like, what, 30? He's like 36, 30-something yeah. 30 like that. But, yeah, he's going to catch Joe Montana next off, I mean, next next playoffs, next postseason. Done. Yeah, and obviously we know they, they play more playoff games these days than they did back that then. That is true. There are more rounds of the playoffs and more teams make the playoffs than used to make them. But at the same time, same time. Uh, he's only 28. And he's, you know, if you consider the prime of a quarterback's career, this would, you know, 27 to 33 is probably the prime. So he, he's just entered it and he's won back-to-back Super Bowls. Just crazy. It's yeah. unbelievable. And won three already. Where, where are you on that, Ty? Is that uh, BS for you or mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're of the younger vintage? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think it's one, two at this point. Uh, you can't. Okay. He doesn't have six yet. He's halfway there, but he's got a long way to go, like you said. So I, I, I think when it's all said and done, they'll either be it'll be a LeBron, MJ conversation where you can go right either way. But I don't know. What he's doing is insane. Well, and it's kind of like the, the reason – like Montana won four Super Bowls, but he – had the, mostly the same cast of teammates for the entire run. Yes, prior to your salary and cap for, run. For, right, for, oh, for everybody oh, talking about the, that Brock Purdy's a game manager. And Brock Purdy, I mean, Joe Montana had Hall of Famers all around him. Everywhere. Uh, Backfield, <laughs> oh, wide receivers, everywhere, which is not an indictment. Play but, caller. But it's funny how they, they hold that against others, but not against, like, Montana had great players. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it, you, the thing about Brady and now Mahomes is they're doing it with different casts of characters, right? Yep. I mean, Brady did it with so many different lead lead actors on his team, so many different styles of team a player, right? And I agree with that. now it's Mahomes who did it with Tyree Kill, but now he's doing it without Tyree Kill, and he's you know throwing to different receivers and he's got different running backs. Well, and think, it's, think about even the, from last year, figure. like two of the guys that scored receiving touchdowns last year didn't even play in this game, and Sky Moore and yeah. Darius Tony. Yeah, Miko Hardman started the game winner. He started the season with the Jets. He was in New York playing for the Jets when the year began. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kadarius Tony wasn't even active for the game. Uh, it was a, ruck, a rookie, Rache Rice, who was, who was stepping up and stepping in. Obviously, Travis Kelsey has been the absolute staple to it. But you know, it's um, it's, it's it's impressive, equal really equally is. impressive. No, no, it's it's it. And I think this offseason, Brett Veach is gonna he's gonna remake and overhaul the entire wide receiving core. 
the skills. The skill, honestly, it might even skill position too. He might go with some of the running back too. But I definitely think the wide receiving core they're going to add to it be a, be a free agency. They're probably going to trade for a wide receiver too, and they're going to draft a wide receiver. Yeah, that look totally different. Maybe it's the X Man. Maybe could it's be. X X worthy. He could be bringing speed. I mean, yeah. The Tyreek Hill two point conversation. All right, Rob, what do you have for bullish or BS? Yeah, that could end up being the case. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, we bullish or uh, BS? I saw. Um, this little uh, nugget. How about this? And I don't know if it's as uh, bullish or BS, but um, I think it's something that uh, we could bring up here and discuss. Okay, so um, I saw my friends on Own Texas Football. They're doing a really good job here, and they're, they're covering. They actually got a chance to speak with Silas Bolden, who is Ooh. the wide receiver from Oregon State. We'll play some of that that sound too. Did you know that they were high, he was high school teammates with C.J. Stroud? No, I didn't know that either. Shout out to my man Jerry Hamilton. And I'm throwing that little nugget out there that Texas uh, transfer wide receiver Silas Bowden, NFL officer rookie at CHR were high school teammates and grew up together. How about that little nugget? Yeah. They threw that CJ Stroud throwing touchdowns to Silas Bowden in high school. That's funny. That uh, is cool. That's a small football world when you think about it. That is. Uh, I did hear, you know, we, met, we played earlier the Micah Parsons conversation with CD Lamb. Micah Parsons also sat down with C.J. Stroud. I saw that. And was, did he get – did you – are you talking about the one where he gives, like, his best – like, he basically picks his all-star roster? Yeah, and he picked Tank Dell. C.J. Stroud did? Yeah. We'll all play, play that audio, too. Yeah, Tank Dell was on it. That and was pretty good. And that, their interview, their conversation came to an end when they got into a debate over, you know, Jordan and Kobe, I think it was. They got into a basketball debate, and it got really heated. You know, C.J. is a hooper. Oh, he can, he can – he's a bucket, he says. Yeah, he's a, he's he says, a hooper. I'm a, I'm a bucket. Yeah. I'm a bucket, yeah. Uh, all right, so we got that. Uh, bullish or BS, Ty and Rod, uh, the Cowboys made the right decision choosing Mike Zimmer over Rex Ryan, who apparently was really eager to try to get that job in Dallas. They made the right call. Bullish or BS? Uh, bullish. Yeah. yeah. Me too. That's a, that's a good, that was a good call. He's the most modern, uh, or at least the most recent, um, of the, all the defensive coordinators they, they considered, and I think that, that matters in today's football. I, again, much like his dad, I'm not kidding about this. I mean, there could be a time where Rex Ryan decides to haul off and punch Mike McCarthy at some point during a game, he's, like Buddy Ryan did. He's volatile. He's a volatile guy. He's a volatile Zimmer's dude. hot, hot-headed too, but I think he's the right mix. What do you think, Ty? Are you excited about the Mike Zimmer hire or, or call him BS? I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I'm confident that he can get somewhat of the level of production that Dan Quinn got out of the defense, which is, which is good. I, I, the textures keep texting in. It's not about Mike Zimmer. It's about Dak. I agree. Big moments. It's the defense seems to you know somewhat step up. Need need more from Dak. That's where I'm at this offseason. I just don't know if there was any other defensive coordinator. Well, well you know what? They were late to the party. I would say of, that they wanted a splash too. They wanted they, a name. They, they wanted a name. They could have probably could have went after another young DC that's up and coming that probably could have even been a better, more compatible fit. They wanted a splash. It was pretty obvious, right? The names they were going after: Ron Rivera, Rex Ryan. They wanted a name. Which well, why is that important? I don't know. That's Jerry. <laughs> Jerry sells hope. Yeah. Uh, and I would also argue that, um, you know, if you're Jerry Jones and if you get off to a slow start next year, you've already got your – if you're going to move on Rex Ryan and Mike McCarthy in the last year of his contract, mm-hmm. you've got a coach sitting there. That maybe can, that's why he wanted the big name. <laughs> yeah, Mike Zimmer is your, your heir apparent. Uh, maybe that's why they want – maybe and that's why the big name matters. Do, do you really right. want Mike Zimmer at 67 years old to be there? I'm not saying I do. I'm, talk, I'm I talking don't. about – Talk about the owner, who's 81 years old. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that I'm worried about with Mike Zimmer is his ability to connect with the younger players like Dan Quinn did. Yeah, like you we'll said, Parcells' disciple, it's a, that's an old, different era of football. That's, I don't know if he, him and Michael Parsons might not mesh well. We'll see that. Some people thought that Dan Quinn was too close to the players, actually. 
Yeah. Well, they might have been too close to the players. Because Dan Quinn, it was all the way into February before he got the job in Washington. There were um, the, the top young coaches were already moved and hired, right? I mean, mm. you know, you were, and maybe yeah. like a Vic Fangio had already landed in Philadelphia. The Cowboys weren't in on that conversation. All right, we'll come back and continue these conversations. The uh, five-hour Tuesday conversation rolls on. I'll hook them up with Ian Ravi.